Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Events, which features conversations with industry leaders discussing their careers and experiences producing the world's most talked about events. I'm your host, Star. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Tomlin, General Manager of King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York. Stephanie will share insights into her career, venue management, and venue operations. Stephanie has over 10 years of experience in high-demand positions at prominent venues within the sports and entertainment industry. Throughout that time, Stephanie has worked with countless musical artists, companies, and actors in different capacities, including Quincy Jones, Trevor Noah, MTV, and Glamour Magazine. In Stephanie's current role as general manager of the 3,000-capacity King's Theater, she oversees the day-to-day and event-related operations for the venue. Stephanie and her team have hosted a variety of events, inclusive of the Pierre Moss Fashion Show, Beastie Boys Story, and Nine Inch Nails Concert. Stephanie believes in leading by example and makes decisions based on justice, honesty, and respect. Stephanie lives and works by a code of loyalty, empathy, and competence. This directly affects how she does business, fosters relationships, and gives her time. Stephanie, I am so happy to have you join us today. Welcome to the program. Sorry, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Great, great. So I'm going to start off. Let's just start off at the beginning. How yes. did you get your start in the industry? Early. Uh, <laughs> so I started in the industry really as an intern for the New Jersey Nets when they were in New Jersey. Um, I grew up being uh, very into sports. I was an athlete. Um, And when I went to school, I had the choice to go either as a lacrosse uh, athlete, um, and I was, I was actually recruited D1, um, or take an academic scholarship. I took the academic route um, and went to Seton Hall. And upon my arrival there, I decided that I wanted to start working with the Seton Hall men's basketball team, who, as you know, actually play at Prudential Center and uh, since I went to school there. So uh, that was really my first taste of uh, sports um, and the, the business of sports and entertainment. Um, and from there, I actually was blessed enough to get an internship with the New Jersey Nets. Um, and I was an HR intern, but I wanted to touch every part of the business. So um, I you know, did game presentation. I did sponsorship. I worked with every single department that would let me in. Um, I asked them for a day or many days. So I was actually an intern with the Nets for two seasons. Um, And on the day I graduated from Seton Hall, I actually got a job offer from the Nets. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's really incredible, honestly. I mean, most people... Most people don't have that opportunity. And also, I think it's, it's great to have that background and to be able to see all different facets of the industry. So I'm oh, going to take a step back even further. Is this what young Stephanie saw herself doing? And what made you choose this path? Well, I think young Stephanie wanted to be a singer, but uh, <laughs> based on some kind of semblance of reality, Stephanie realized that Stephanie can't sing. So we had to pivot. <laughs> so once I uh, retired my dreams of being a singer, I decided I wanted to be a sports agent. So 
everything that I did from choosing Seton Hall, who has uh, an excellent sports management program, um, to working for the um, Seton Hall men's basketball team, wanted to be in the business of it, close to the athletes, um, so that I understood how to um, move in these circles. And then even to being working with the Nets, I ended up, my first job out of college was the executive assistant to the chief legal officer and the senior VP of human resources. So I wanted to uh, be in, on the legal side because I thought that agents, a lot of agents do have law degrees, um, sports law degrees. So that was what I thought I was going to do. Makes sense. Makes sense. So then obviously you pivoted at some point. I pivoted again. I pivoted. <laughs> did. I mean, we all have to, and you know, I've pivoted many, many times, but I think, yeah. um, well, I've heard you obviously have held several highly sought after positions. You already yeah. spoke about some of the ones that you have held at the Nets. And yeah. I would just love for you to talk to us a little bit more about some of those career experiences that you've had thus far. Sure. So once I decided that I didn't want to be a sports agent anymore, and a lot of that was just, I didn't, Want to, I always say I didn't want to babysit, babysit grown men. It's more than that, though. It, I, I decided I didn't want to be on the team op side of anything. Um, and while I love law, uh, I thought that if I decided to do a law degree, it would probably be in civil rights. Uh, I would probably be a civil rights attorney, candidly. So um, while I was working for the Nets, though, I fell in love with the entertainment aspect of putting on uh, a game. The game is just one very small part of our business. Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with how this whole event comes together. You've got halftime shows, you've got, you know, celebrities in the seats, you've got thousands, tens of thousands of fans that have to get in, get out safely, hopefully spend some money while they're there and I just got, I just fell in love with it. I was hypnotized by event, the event itself. And so I set out uh, in my career to learn every single thing I could about um, the business of arenas. So when the Nets moved from uh, New Jersey to Brooklyn, I was in a really unique position because our ownership um, and the tenant of Bar being a Barclays Center tenant, which is what the New Jersey Nets are, um, it was just a really very, very incestuous um, opportunity and, and company for me. So I, it was a very easy pivot for me to go from working from the team side to the venue side. And I haven't looked back. I mean, I've been a, a venue rat ever since. So I was the executive assistant to the general manager for a long time. Um, and something that, you know, you and I have talked about a lot is just the importance of great leadership and sponsors in the business. Um, I had a, a man by the name of David Anderson, who was the general manager for a while at Barclays Center. And it was trial by fire. I mean, he threw me in. He, he would take a step back and say, listen, you sat me down in your first interview with me and told me what you wanted. You told me you wanted to learn every part of this business. So now you're going to learn it and you are going to speak on my behalf. And I expect for you to move like a general manager. 
So I started cutting my teeth pretty early. Um, and when I transitioned, transitioned out of its, the executive assistant world and into um, the operations world, it was, uh, it really put a fire in me. That's, that's awesome. So obviously that transition, did that take place while you were still in Brooklyn or did you transition yeah. when you went to LA? Okay, so talk yeah. to us more about that transition area. Sure. So I transitioned uh, to the special events manager at Barclays Center. And that basically my job was to book and execute um, anything that wasn't a game or a concert. Now, while I was doing that, um, I also was starting to work on um, events. So my first (laughs) my first concert was Rush that I worked on. (laughs) <laughs> at Parkway Center, and um, just getting to understand, you know, unions, getting to understand, and I think you, and you know this, mm-hmm. event management is really the nucleus of everything. They're the folks who take the information from whoever's coming into your venue and disseminate it to all of the other different departments. So I got touch points with every single department while I was working as a special events manager and also uh, moving towards being an events manager. Um, and so I did that with Barclays Center for two years. And then I moved to Los Angeles, uh, still working for AEG. Um, and I was an event manager at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And once again, just the hub and getting to touch every single part of the business. So I did that for, gosh, five years. Um, <laughs> I lost track of time. Uh, And then all the while I was doing production on the side, um, I was doing one-off productions for lots of different um, organizations. I worked with Global Citizens. I worked um, with Hot 97 for Summer Jam. I've just been all over the place uh, putting on events. No, definitely. I think that once you get a foundation, you're able to apply it to so many different um, positions. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But that also leads us into your current role of venue management and operations as the general manager of King's Theater in Brooklyn. Share with us uh, some insights into the day-to-day role of a general manager in the theater space. Yes. Um, Well, it's a little bit of everything. It's employee management. I'm charged with driving results from my team. So I oversee box office, security, guest services, um, production, back of house, uh, all things front of house, marketing, um, facilities, housekeeping. So we have to, as general managers um, and as venue managers, we have to set budgets. We have to drive results. We have to make sure that the brand and the way that we are viewed in the world um, is, is right and tight. Um, we have to stay current. Uh, I really set out to make uh, King's Theater not just a concert venue or a theater, but really a cultural hub. Um, I think that when you position yourself in the industry as someone who does a little bit of everything. Um, so we are doing anything from concerts to podcasts to, you know, uh, presidential candidate, uh, presidential candidacy events. Uh, we're doing a little bit of everything. And I have to make sure 
that the train keeps moving. Yeah. Well, you definitely do a great job at that. And um, I, I know that it's a lot to it. And I think that's it's, a, it's a the thing. most. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most. Uh, and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize with the venue. Like you see an event uh, venue and it's like if you see a theater or arena, there's so many other things that happen within a venue. And you and I know that from basically being on the booking and operation side. Like the venue is is essentially the convention center of the community. And yes. that's what you're expected to be. So you're not just doing the things that are just front facing. You're doing private events. You're doing social events. There's just so much that goes into it. But I'll lead into that with saying, how do you keep, you know, keep a cap on it all? How do you keep that tight and running smoothly? Uh, <laughs> the grace of God. You know, I think you do it um, with a team. Uh, everything that King's Theater and really any venue that I've ever been a part of is the direct result of the people. Um, so everybody showing up to work is step one, right? Um, making sure that the culture um, within your organization is not a toxic one. It is making sure that people feel good when they come to work so that you can drive those results from them. Making sure that, you know, you are leading with empathy and respect so that people feel good and safe when they come to work. Um, and then we work like dogs. We work all day, every day. It's a 24 hour job. There, there are no hard stops at five o'clock and come back again at eight or nine. It is a grind. I always say like, nobody sane works in this industry. We, yeah. Nobody that likes, uh, <laughs> likes having, you know, their own time and a work-life balance and any of those things works in this industry. Heavens no. Um, but what I have set out to do is try my darndest to make sure that when people come to work, they feel comfortable. And so it's not uh, a hardship or a grind to come into work. It's fun. It's, it's why it's so hard right now with all of our venues closed and us not really producing events. Um, you know, we're, we're all at home or we're having to pivot into different parts of our business that, you know, isn't usually the day to day. So instead of doing, you know, a couple of film shoots here and there. That's our whole business right now because we can't have butts and seats. But how do we keep it together? Um, you know, sometimes it's a duct tape and a prayer and it's a lot of hard work. It's a grind um, and it's a lot of teamwork. There are a lot of different parts that have to come together. Hundreds to thousands of people every single time, you know, Beyonce hits the stage or, you know, Nine Inch Nails comes to Brooklyn, every single time there are hundreds of people that come together to make that happen. And I think that's the magic of it. Definitely, definitely. I think um, I've had, I've been in the industry for a long time as well. And just knowing how much you have to rely on people, you know, that, oh. that's the thing. It really does take a village to put these, put these uh, events on. 
And the other thing that you touched on that I think uh, is so important to even talk about during these times is our business completely has pivoted. We're not having live events. So a lot of people have the perception that we're closed. We're not closed. We're still doing location shoots. We're still doing filming. We're, we're trying to find other ways to have revenue because we don't want to be in unfortunate situations where there has to be, you know, layoffs or long-term, you know, pivots, essentially. So I will go into, you kind of touched on it, but what do you love about being a GM? You know, I think the first thing that came to mind, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but (laughs) it is being in the driver's seat um, is something that is very humbling, uh, but also very exciting. I have a team that's mine. They're my people. They're my team. I know them. I know what makes them tick. I know what drives them. I know what pisses them off. I know, you know, what makes them go. And I think I have, unfortunately, well, really fortunately, if you think about it, I've been in toxic work environments. I've been, uh, I've had bad bosses. I have um, worked with people that make it really, really hard. And I always said, when I'm in the driver's seat, I will do it differently because there's a different way uh, to run this business. And I, and I think, you know, I mean, you know this, you work for an organization uh, that I really respect and admire in terms of how they mm-hmm. invest in their people. Um, my favorite thing about being a general manager is uh, being able to be the change that I wanted to see as I was coming up and cutting my teeth in the industry. And um, yeah, and I think just, you know, being, being personally responsible um, for the lives of so many people and touching uh, communities in the way that I think that King's theater um, and what it represents, what we've been able to do. I think my favorite thing about King's really is what we mean to Brooklyn and what we mean to Flatbush. Um, Having opened in 1929, closed in 77, and laying dormant for all those years uh, until we reopened in 2015. And the people that we hire are people that are from the neighborhood, that are personally invested. You feel that sense of pride from them when they come in. Um, And seeing that, seeing them sit up a little taller, Mm -hmm. um, seeing them professionally develop, uh, being able to pour into our staff and and watch them fly and flourish. I'm doing my job right. They won't stay with me forever. If I'm doing my job right, they will acquire the, the skills and tools necessary to professionally develop and go fly. And that's my favorite part I think about being at the helm. It is seeing people outgrow me, right? Seeing them go off and do whatever is next, um, you know, under my leadership, um, under the team's leadership. Uh, it's, it's magnificent. It's the best part of the job. Yeah, and you, you touched on it. I think um, a healthy environment is so important. You know, we, we've all worked in the best and the worst, you know, situations. Ooh, and, worst. <laughs> and I, I do think, and I think you would agree, there's something to working in a toxic environment that does help you grow as a person. You don't want to stay there. 
you know, and I would never encourage anybody to just stick with a toxic environment, but yeah. it does demand. But do lean into it. Exactly. Exactly. You really do, do. lean into it. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our work is chaos. It's chaotic. It changes all the time. Mm-hmm. It never goes according to plan. <laughs> never. <laughs> I haven't seen it once. I've, I've done thousands of events in my life. I've never seen one go. No nope. plan. Right. And I think the, the, the beauty of hardship, um, hard bosses, of hard work environments, um, of all of that is because is if you actually can take a step back and center yourself um, and really take a, a look at what's happening around you, you'll find that if you can still yourself, your, your mind, your heart, your body in the midst of chaos, that's what makes you an excellent venue manager. Yeah, um, it is a skill you have to learn to acquire, and I, you know, I, I think I agree with you. You don't stay in them for too long because sometimes that toxicity is so much that it can become cancerous to you, and then you find yourself, you know, running around with that same toxic approach. Mm-hmm. If you can figure it out, I mean, I am better as a result of hardships in my career. I am more detail-oriented because I didn't have space to fail. I am uh, more, uh, I'm less sensitive um, and, I can, and I can pinpoint and see through a bunch of mess. Mm-hmm. I have dealt with a bunch of mess mm-hmm. in my career. And if you can do that, if you can achieve that, you're the best, you're the best at it. I am so grateful that I didn't have it easy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, think it does give you something that gives, and especially in our um, areas, I will say that, and that's not to say that other areas of the country that aren't demanding, but that New York, New Jersey environment is like you have, it's survival of the fittest. It's incomparable. Exactly. Comparable. We are in the absolute most competitive landscape Mm -hmm. for business. So if you can do it well in New York, if you can do it well in New Jersey, if you can do it well in LA. Yes. Girl. Exactly. Exactly. And like you, yeah, like you, I spent, I did my bid in LA too. And it's, it really does. It's, I think it's really important. And that goes into this point. I feel like if you have the opportunity, especially if you're young in your career to move around and get different environments and different experiences, I believe that that's important because like you said, versatility is everything. Oh, it is. I mean, look, I am a country girl from (laughs) city, Kansas. So if you had told 10-year-old me who wanted to be a singer <laughs> that I would be uh, at the top of my career in the most competitive landscape for entertainment that there is, I would have told you you were completely nuts. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it is very important to not have a fear of flying and not have a fear of failing. Exactly. I just... I just jumped on and yeah. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll wing it and see what happens. And I have fallen and I've learned some hard lessons. I have been humbled in my career, like you would not believe. Um, I have learned when to be quiet. I have learned when to speak up. Um, you know, and I think that if you're a person that has core and central values, uh, it's easier to navigate these kinds of spaces because it's it's not 
uh, it's not as sexy as everybody thinks it is. It's not sunshine and rainbows and puppies. It is, it's, it's real. It's <laughs> but when you want to compete, and I love to compete, mm-hmm. when you want to compete, um, it's an industry that can be really fulfilling. Exactly. And I think that's why we do these long hours and everything. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. It's definitely if you Ooh. want, you have to have grit <laughs> and grind and passion and you have to love what you're doing. You know, because if not, a little you know, style. Exactly. A little bit of flair. <laughs> <A little bit laughs> <of flare. laughs> so I will ask you this. Um, take into account how obviously everything has changed. What do you see becoming like the new normal, as people are saying, for the events world coming out of uh, this environment? I can tell you what I hope it is. Mm-hmm. I hope that uh, all of us know it alls and the sports and entertainment industry um, can learn that we don't know everything and find some peace in not knowing. Now, I know that that is a radical thought, but it's radical, I know. But I hope that we can find some peace in not knowing. Um, I think that all of us are going to have to learn how to pivot. I think that safety, safety has always been our non-negotiable Um, And I think that, you know, for people who are listening to this, one thing that you can rest assured and know is that any venue you are stepping into, our number one priority is the safety and security of our guests and our staff. Um, So I think that knowing that safety is our true north, I don't worry about concerts coming back. I don't worry about, you know, seated, ticketed events coming back. But I do think that you're going to see an emphasis. There's going to be a lot lot less glitz and glamour and smoke and mirrors. I think that something that I hope that's wonderful that happens, that people that are really talented and serious about their crafts are going to shine Mm -hmm. in this next iteration of entertainment. People who care deeply about what they do just on a, in a, on a musical podcast, sports is different mm-hmm. for, for music and, and for uh, those kinds of ticketed events. You're going to see people who are really talented shining. I think you're going to see, um, I think because budgets are going to be cut, you're not going to see, you know, 7,000 pyro effects during the show and confetti and, you know, CO2. You know, I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. We're going back to basics. We're going back to the basics. Now, look, I'm a Midwestern girl. I love (laughs) basic things, okay? I love real, simple, straightforward entertainment. I always have. And so I'm I'm excited for that iteration of of this. Awesome. And and like... What do you think is next? No, see, <laughs> what do you just, think? we're not just going to talk to Stephanie today because our <laughs> nose so, was on. I it, am the GM of Beyond the Events, okay? <laughs> tell me, tell me what's going on. <laughs> what do you think's next? <laughs> I, do, I agree with you, though. I really do see yeah. it. I definitely see a lot of... Um, the glitz and glam is going to come out of it. A lot of the world is going to get back into it. I think people are craving mm-hmm. it. Definitely feel like it's going to come back really strong. 
um, whenever it does come back. It's going to come back strong because one thing that brings people together and one thing that brings enjoyment to people is gathering. And whether mm -hmm. that's going to be a concert or a private event, we're still talking about social events, weddings, everything. People want to mm -hmm. be together and it's our natural nature too. So I think we'll see that. I do think that there'll be an influx of figuring out how to use venues more in a virtual environment. A lot of us were already doing that. I know your venue was, my venue was, but I think right. now it's going to be hardcore. Like we got to get this right. Let's get it right. Yeah. Let's do it and offer new, new things to our clients and thinking through that. So I'm looking forward to that and the innovation that's going to come out of this. Yeah. And people being out of their comfort zone. All day. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. What is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that wants to enter into the events industry, specifically into maybe the role of general management or venue management operations? Hmm. I think be fearless. I, I have learned that the more I've moved with trepidation um, and fear, the less I've been able to accomplish. I've been strong and wrong, and it's been better than me being timid and not taking the step. I think that um, this is an industry where you do have to cut your teeth and pay your dues, but I caution people on, on telling young folks that they have to pay their dues because I think they mean something different than what I mean. So, and that's why I say leave, be fearless. I don't think that young people need to wait. I believe that they are smarter, savvier. Um, I think that things are more intuitive to them than, um, than we give them credit for. I've been learning that a lot, just for taking time to kind of pour into the young talent in our industry has been very rewarding for me. And I've gotten to do that um, through the company that I co-founded with um, one of my great friends and one of your colleagues, um, Brittany, uh, with Black Women in Sports and Entertainment, but also just through mentoring. I think it's important to have discernment um, I'm not, I'm not telling you to just jump out the window. Um, but don't be, be fearless, be fearless, go out and get it because these doors are open and they're waiting for you. And not everybody has an end. I think that one misnomer about the entertainment industry is that you have to know somebody to get in. And it is absolutely about who, you know, once you get up in here, but I didn't know anyone. I didn't know a soul. I didn't know anybody who did this. I didn't know that my job existed at all. Um, and it's a reason why I want to create pipelines for young and fresh talent. But until I can get to you or you can get to me, no, don't be afraid to just jump in. And you cut your teeth how you cut your teeth, you know? Yeah, at least you could say that you tried. I think that's yeah. thing. And like you, I had no idea that my role existed prior to getting into this industry, honestly. Okay. And I, I will go into a little bit more of Black women in sports and entertainment because being a mentor and opening up doors is something that you and I have both discussed on length. And I think that it's something that's uh, 
needed within the industry. Sure. But I, I would also just ask, like, tell us a little bit more about BeWise and the motive behind it. Sure. Uh, I think when, when BeWise started, the inception was I had just gotten the call. I was AGM of Kings at the time. I had just gotten the call that my name was uh, being floated um, to progress into general management. And the general manager at the time was transitioning to a different part of the business. Um, all I could think about was I wanted to call somebody and ask them a million questions about what it is to be a black woman at the top of a venue. And I'm a member of IAVM. I'm, you know, pretty connected throughout the industry, but I didn't know who to call. I didn't know a black female in, um, general manager. And so I called Brittany and I was like, I don't know who to call. And I feel like I should. And I don't think this exists. And I think that it should. And so we got to talking about what's important to us, right? And we knew that we wanted to engage with other people who looked like us in the industry. Um, we knew that we wanted more education opportunities and professional development opportunities. We wanted more panels. We wanted more talks. We wanted more retreats. We wanted more come to Jesus meetings. We wanted more, I'm so sick of this meetings. Like we wanted all of that. We wanted, um, we wanted to build something where we could really pour into one another. And we wanted to teach the next generation of young um, female leaders how to do what we did uh, faster and better. Um, and there was no ego in it. Um, it was just, we need to build this thing. So we built it. Um, and so black, black women uh, in sports and entertainment uh, started and we've been trucking ever since. Uh, we've got a great network of young women and, and not so young women um, who are in this industry and we're talking, we're sticking together. We are letting each other know what's open, what's, uh, what's next what's new. Uh, and I think that that kind of ecosystem is really, really important, particularly for folks like us who had no clue that this existed, but had all of the, the skill sets and know-how and chutzpah to get it done. I want to see more me's. I want to see a hundred million more you's in this industry. So let's just we just built it. And if you build it, likewise, likewise. And then you touched on something that I think is so important. It's obviously to tap into the youth in the industry because they basically know a lot of stuff that we don't know, especially you can see the trends, how it's changed even in this time, like virtual, they're on it and they know it like oh, that. Mm -hmm. But I also think you touched on another thing that's really important is transferable skill sets because I didn't start out in this industry. And many mm -hmm. people always want to know how can you get into the industry if you didn't. Sure. And I think it's really just figuring out what your actual core skill sets are. So can you talk to us about some of the core skill sets that you've seen that you've been able to take with you and have made you be successful along this path in this career? Sure. Um, I don't know if I want to, how technical I want to get. 
Um, but I think attitude is a attitude is a number one very important um, skill set. Having an attitude where you it's a can do attitude it sounds so cliche, ugh. but it's true. I, I think you gotta just uh, problem solving and troubleshooting is a very 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 important um, skill set to have because as I mentioned before. None of this ever goes according to plan. So being able to, to pivot, being flexible, um, being able to be approachable, um, because communication is key in this industry. We have a lot of different moving parts. There are a lot of departments. Um, not everybody is looking at it from a holistic standpoint. As a general manager, I have to. I have to look at every single part of the business. It's how I learned this business. Um, but you also have to know how to work with the people who they're only worried about their job and how their little part of the body contributes to the whole. Um, I think EQ is important. Um, I think that what I like to do is do check-ins at the top of meetings I like to ask everybody how they're doing. I want to know what they're carrying when they're coming into the workplace. And I'm not, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not going to be able to solve it all. But <laughs> as, a, as a leader, I do need to know what everybody, what kind of baggage everybody's coming to work with so that I can, I can pivot and give them the support they need to do the job that I need them to do. Um, so EQ is important. Um, rigidity is the, is the worst enemy that you can have, I would say. In this, if you can't turn, if you can't make the turn, if you're so caught up in this part of it that you can't see, um, I would say being a student always and often is really important. Uh, I am still learning something new about this machine every single day. And the minute that I think I know it all is a minute that I need to retire. Um, and so I like to approach things with a, a, a lot of humility. It's, um, but also having confidence in what you know, because there's a lot of people who think they know in this industry that really don't know. So trusting your gut, um, but being uh, open to the 700 other ways there are to skin a cat um, and to, to do one job. Um, gosh, I got, I got lots of gems. I mean, I could... <laughs> no, I think you really, no, seriously. I think it's, I think the core of what you said is always being open and always being a student and learning because as we've seen our industry before we came into it was really one way for a lot of years. And it's been a great change in the last, I would say, honestly, like 10 to 15 years. And you oh, see, yeah. it. and now it's just requiring oh, yeah. that things can't be exactly the same as they were before. So oh, yeah. survival is going to be really dependent on your ability to rely on others and not be so set in your ways and being open to continuing to learn. And that's, you're right. People management is everything too. Because um, you're managing multiple personalities and you don't go home with anyone at night to know what they're going home to. So we spend so much time with each other. You touched on that earlier. Like it's yeah. just like family. We're doing, we're doing 12 hour days at a minimum on show yeah. day. And that's yeah. a good day. 
you do exactly. You're it's really closer to 16. Like I have I have slept at the arena. Likewise. I have slept. Mm-hmm. Girl. Mm-hmm. I've slept at work. <laughs> I Sometimes I wonder why do I pay rent? You know, it's that kind of, sometimes it's that kind of thing. That's how this is real life. Yeah. Why do we why? <laughs> because I mean we spend most of our days at work. So yeah, it's it, it's prudent. It's it's a very important stuff you're touching on. So one of the last questions I'll ask you is um what is one event that you would have loved to or would love to work on? It could be during your lifetime, before your lifetime, something that you would want to uh, do and why. This is a hard one. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, I had so many, I have so many answers to this question. But you got to pick the top one, okay? Uh, <laughs> Man, I'm going to say it out loud, and then I'm going to have to go get it. Dang. All right, I'm, here it goes. I would like to work on the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's the pinnacle mm-hmm. of the chaos of this industry. <laughs> like 700 million different moving parts, but it's like, it's like the top. I mean, I've done, like, I've worked with the Grammys. I've worked with the Oscars. I've worked. Uh, daytime Emmys, so like I, those are out there. BMAs, which you know, you know all about, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think this. I think that I think the the logical next step is just the Super Bowl. I I love sports. Um, I think that I will probably um, down the line uh, probably get right right back into uh, sports business. Um, and I don't know. This the Super Bowl just feels like. The whole grail to me. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. I, I, I feel you on that. And I hope well, let's that- go get it. You want to do it too? <laughs> let's go. Let's, let's go. go get it. But we let's spoke it into existence. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, you made me say it. So yeah. now, there, now we got to go get it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Give us a couple of years. Oh, easy peasy. So how is, uh, what's the best way, I would say, for the audience to connect with you? Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It is, uh, Stephanie Tomlin and that is Steph with an F. Um, you can connect with Be Wise's company page, um, Black Women in Sports and Entertainment, uh, open parentheses, B-W-I-S-E, close parentheses. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram. Um, it is Steph underscore with an F. No, with an underscore F. You're gonna have to spell that out for him. Okay? <laughs> I'm sure. That, I'm sure that I butchered it, but step with me. You'll find me on there, maybe. But definitely, they could start out with LinkedIn, and they got you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh man, it's over. It's a pleasure. Yeah. You know Is there an overtime? <laughs> There's overtime. Look, you're already. Call <laughs> oh, me after this. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Be sure to follow Stephanie Tomlin and Be Wise on LinkedIn and Instagram. Stephanie's Instagram is Steph, S-T-E-F, underscore, with an, underscore, F. Also, follow and like Beyond the Events on Instagram, LinkedIn, and here for the latest episodes and industry news. If you'd like to watch the video broadcast of this and previous episodes, subscribe on YouTube. Join me next time on Beyond the Events. Thank you for listening.
Have a great day.